Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Michael Larinaga. He's a consultant, author, and educator. He is an expert in business continuity, as well as he has formerly worked in the Homeland Security. So, Michael, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Christopher. I'm happy to be here. So for better or for worse, given your expertise, it's such an important skill set to, to learn right now. I remember as a quick backstory, I'm from New York City. I used to work at Seven World Trade Center, the third building that collapsed, and Wall, uh, I used to work on Wall Street. And those are the two worst areas to work, at least from a, a terrorism standpoint. And I remember very distinctly, Michael, when I was in my mid-20s, I was there. And every week we'd have these disaster recovery meetings which I thought was so stupid. We had an off-site location. We, every single week we'd have to meet. And I thought, what are the chances that something would happen to our building? And then when 9-11 happened, it's like, okay, maybe this wasn't a waste of time because it was so important to have this business continuity plan, action and strategy in place because most companies don't have that. And unfortunately, they lose a lot of money and there's a lot of liability. So I personally know how important your skill set is in terms of sustainability. I'm curious how you got into this risk management world. Well, interestingly enough, I, I used to be a, a, in training to be a, essentially a chef. I was, uh, <laughs> really? yeah, yeah. I was, I was living in Phoenix and, uh, or Mesa, Arizona, and I was working at a restaurant and, uh, I had three fryers essentially turn over on me when I was uh, kind of kneeling on the floor and doing, doing some work, you know, below the, below the, I guess, below the level of the fryer and they turned over and I got seriously burned. I spent a lot of time recovering, and then I moved. I, the next time I decided where I was going to move to, this was early in my college career, I picked a place uh, that had some water, so I went to Corpus Christi, Texas, and I ended up meeting a guy and talking to him, and he turned out to be a professor, and, and he guided me towards Oklahoma State University where they have an actual program in fire protection and safety engineering technology that teaches you how to manage risk associated with business and high-hazard high industries. So. So it's in a roundabout way, I, I kind of fell into it, and I'm happy to be here. It's, it's been a great profession for me. And you've been in it for a while now, right? Yeah, I've been in it, uh, t- you know, 27 years. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into this because, again, every single business owner, including myself, can learn and, and grow from that because I, had I not had that experience at American Express, I wouldn't have known. So. What are some of the basic things? Because we have clients, I'm sorry, we have, well, I do have clients, but we have listeners that both have startups and big companies and, and those that are global. So what are just some basic things that I never want to assume our listeners know? What are some just basic things that all of us as business owners should be mindful of in terms of business continuity? And just first define what that means. So business continuity essentially means that uh, your business's ability to withstand some sort of insult, whether it's COVID-19 or it's a fire, an explosion, or an active shooter, uh, the ability of your business to withstand that and continue operations uh, through that so that you have a sustainable business. Um, so that's what, what business continuity means to me. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that for your, your listeners to understand is, or to think about is, and where, where we always start is, what is your business's worst case scenario? What would cause your business to go out of business? And so that's where we start with our clients and start asking them and quizzing them and determining what their risk tolerances are 
And from there, we can uh, then move to helping them uh, develop a business continuity plan. And so that if something did happen, um, you know, they were able to maintain business operations. Yeah. Fascinating. Do you have any like cool stories? Let's say I have a friend who's a former FBI agent and chief negotiator, because you have such a unique perspective because you worked at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and you're a risk guy. I'm just curious, any, any cool fun stories? You don't need to name names, but I'm just, you have a very unique perspective and experience in life. Well, I'll, I'll give you one story that comes to mind. We were doing an assessment of an industrial facility and they had these large furnaces and these furnaces um, essentially were used to melt a, a precursor that was hard to melt. So they were huge furnaces. And we asked them, well, have you done a risk analysis of your, um, of your furnaces? Cause we were doing a risk analysis, some other part of the process. And they said, no, there's no, we, we looked into that. There's no, there's no industry experience of having any problems with those furnaces. And uh, we told them, I said, it would be a good idea to do a risk assessment of those furnaces. And so they, they, said, they kind of just said, no, we don't think we need to. There's just <laughs> no, no industry experience in that. And then because of, of that particular type of furnace, it wasn't two months later, they had a very large explosion that shut one of their facilities down in the furnace. Mm. So no one got we, hurt, we actually come across that. We, we come across that fairly often. Yeah. I would think though it's a it's also a costing right because because these these things cost money to make assessments and they're always trying to save costs and ultimately just like the oil industry right there's so many tankers that end up spilling oil and then I'm sure they should have hired you. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, some do and some don't. Yeah. And let's talk about your experience. So you have the, again, from a government standpoint, Homeland, Defense Security, but, but also since you're, you used to work for the Homeland Security, tell us about that. Because and as an American, I'm very proud to be American. and We need to really be secure with ourselves and when we, when we go out. So I'm curious with um, this U.S. Department of Homeland Security, I think that I think that happened. Like President Bush created that right after 9/11. Is that what the genesis of that? Or that's that's correct. Yep, it, it combined several different departments into a single department. But you were director of the STEM Scholars Program at Oklahoma State University with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So talk to us about that. It sounds like very fascinating. Right. So one aspect: most people, when they think Homeland Security, they think of law enforcement or they think of maybe emergency management. Uh, they don't typically think of uh, an organization that has some of the top engineering minds and products and, and uh, that are used to protect us. And so one of the, at Oklahoma State University, I ran a program where we trained people who were getting degrees related to Homeland Security, such as sociology, political science, criminal justice, um, some engineering fields. And we actually required them to take classes way outside of their comfort zone that were relatable to the STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math of, of the Homeland Security space. Um, a lot of the Homeland Security space is, is overwhelmingly um, in the arts, like such as political science or sociology. There, there are not a lot of scientists and engineers, unless you work specifically in that space, that understand the STEM aspects of, of Homeland Security. So what we were doing was, was um, you know, educating these young children, young students to learn about the STEM applications of Homeland Security and expand their base to become more interdisciplinary thinkers, more systems thinkers. 
That's great. And we were very successful, and that was a great, uh, great program. Can you share one example of how, again, advanced technology in Homeland Security? One example, probably a, a, a really neat example is uh, um, the, the location of a shooter. So in our football stadiums and things like that, uh, where we have mass people gather, there's technologies that can identify and pinpoint the specific location of someone who may be firing a gun so that police and law enforcement can act quickly. Is it like um, a heat, know, just, heat, that's heat a, motion type thing? It's not heat. It actually works off of sound. And uh, oh. I believe it was developed originally by Raytheon, but it's a fascinating piece of technology. And it, it uh, rapidly locates a specific area where a shot originated. And that's, that's not only in stadiums and things like that, but it's also used on the streets in some cases. It's fascinating. And uh, really powerful technology. That's fascinating. And last question is you got a PhD in industrial engineering. What actually is industrial engineering? So industrial engineering is the only engineering field that, that incorporates the person into the actual engineering design. Um, it, it really focuses on how machines work with people and vice versa. So we try to consider how to you know, optimize uh, business processes or um, uh, machines and things like that to work with the machine, human machine interface. Um, it also deals a lot with with uh, the money of the, of the the workplace and how to how to get um, you know processes built and how how to invest and things like that in in your company. Fascinating, Michael. Thanks so much for your time today. How can our guests stay in touch with you? And we didn't even talk about your book, but how can they stay in touch with you? They can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook, or they could uh, get on my website. It's remrisk.com and send me a note. Uh, my contact information is there, and uh, I'd be happy to talk to any of them. Great. Michael, thanks again for your time. Have a great day. Hey, thank you, Christopher. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, Go to ChristopherKai.com for details.